The Purification Process by Rav Yair Khan Tazriya and Mitzara are usually combined, but on a leap year, Tazriya and Mitzara are ordinarily read separately in order to accommodate the additional weeks. Do the two parshiot form one unit, which is sometimes divided to accommodate for an elongated year, or are they two independent units, which must at times be read together in order to complete the yearly cycle of the Torah? One might argue that the two parshiot have different themes. Tazriya discusses the definition and identification of tzara'at, while Mitzorah focuses on the process of purification. If this were true, however, the identification of tzara'at on a house should have been placed in Tazriya. The fact that this section is found in Mitzorah seems to indicate that the Torah does not divide the tzara'at section along these lines. In fact, the laws of tzara'at bridge the gap, spanning from close to the beginning of Tazriya until near the end of Mitzorah. At that point, the Torah summarizes the entire section. This is the Torah for all manner of the plague of tzara'at, and for the tzara'at of a garment and for a house, to instruct when it is impure and when it is pure. This is the law of tzara'at. This summary found in Mitzorah includes types of tzara'at mentioned in Tazriah, indicating the connection between these two portions and leading to the conclusion that the break between Tazriah and Mitzorah is artificial. However, this does not indicate that Tazriah and Mitzorah form one organic unit. After all, the section of Tum'at Yoledet, ritual impurity resulting from giving birth, at the beginning of Tazriah and that of Zav and Zava, ritual impurity resulting from bodily emissions at the end of Mitzorah, are not types of Tzara'at. Although all these subsections combine with Tzara'at as members of the Tum'ah section, as noted in last week's Shi'ur, that section begins in Parashat Shmini with a discussion of ritual impurity with respect to dead animals, not at the beginning of Tazriah. Nevertheless, I would like to argue for a Tazriah Mitzorah subunit of the unit on ritual impurity. After all, the Torah separates the laws of Tum'ah found in Parashat Shmini by concluding with a summary, which contains a warning. For I am Hashem your God. Sanctify yourselves and be holy, for I am holy. And do not defile yourselves, for I am Hashem, who raised you out of the land of Mitzrayim to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Although Tazriah Mitzorah discusses a number of different sources of impurity, there is no other warning except for the one that is found all the way at the end of Parashat Mitzorah. Thus shall you separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness, when they defile my Mishkan that is in their midst. Thus, a separate warning is issued for all the various types of ritual impurity contained in the Tazriah Mitzorah unit. If our assertion is correct, we must determine the meaning of the Tazriah Mitzorah unit. Why did the Torah separate the laws of Tumah at the end of Shmini from that of the Yoledet at the beginning of Tazriah? We should also consider the term Tazriah, which is used to introduce the Yoledet section. This is a unique term that is found nowhere else in Tanakh. Might the Torah have chosen this term because of the phonetic association with Tzara'at? If so, why did the Torah connect Yoledet specifically to Tzara'at? And what is the relationship between Tzara'at and Zav, discussed at the end of Mitzorah? In short, what is the common denominator of the various impurities found in Tazriah Mitzorah that justifies its treatment as an independent unit? The answer to this question is found in a Mishnah and Kritut. Normally, immersion in a mikveh is sufficient to achieve tahara, ritual purity, purification from tumat met, ritual impurity resulting from contact with a corpse, also requires the sprinkling of the water of a para duma. The Mishnah lists the mechusarei kapara, cases of Tumah that require a korban to achieve the level of tahara needed to eat Kodashim, or enter the Mikdash. 
There are four Mechusarei Kavara, the Zav, the Zava, and the Yoledet, and the Mitzorah. It is noteworthy that all of the examples of Mechusarei Kavara appear in the Tazria Mitzorah unit. There are cases in Tazria Mitzorah in which Tevilah, Mikvah immersion, is sufficient, such as impurity from Keri and Nida. In fact, the Torah notes cases in which even Sara'at requires no more than Tevilah. For instance, one who has a blemish that a Kohen places under quarantine to determine if it will deteriorate or improve is not in a case of doubtful tsarat. Rather, his status is that of a lower-grade tsarat, which can be purified through immersion. In this regard, it is similar to the two different types of tumat zav. Two emissions create the tumab zav, but do not require a korban. Three emissions demand a korban as well. However, the mention of the lower levels of tsarat or zav in the Tasriya Mitzara unit certainly does not undermine our thesis that the defining trait of this section is mechusare kapara. Similarly, keri and nida, which are similar to zav and zava, should be viewed as satellites of the mechusare kapara category. How are we to view the requirement to bring a set of korbanot before being allowed to eat kodashim or enter the mikdash? Are these korbanot needed to remove a certain amount of remaining tumah, and as such are part of the tahara process, or are they an independent obligation? necessary for Kodashim, but not a stage in the purification process. Let us consider the case of Tzara'at. There are three phases in the purification of the Mitzorah. The first stage involves, among other things, taking two birds and sprinkling the blood of one of the birds on the Mitzorah, followed by shaving his entire body and tefillah and the mikvah. After this phase, the Mitzorah is permitted to return to the camp, as the level of his Tumah is diminished. The second phase begins after a seven-day wait, the Mitzorah once again shaves his entire body and immerses in the mikvah. He is now tahor, but until he brings his karbanot, he is still prohibited from entering the mikdash and eating kodashim. The third phase takes place on the eighth day, when the Mitzorah brings the karbanot, allowing him to enter the mikdash and eat kodashim. After the second phase is complete, has the tum'ah of the Mitzorah been totally removed? Is the prohibition from entering the Mikdash due to his obligation to bring certain sacrifices, but not because he remains in a lower state of Tumah? Or does some remnant of Tumah remain, which is only removed through the Korban? This question is debated in Kritut, which discusses whether the Korban obligation of a Zavah should be likened to a Korban Chatat or to Tfilah. The position that it should be viewed as Tfilah clearly assumes that it is part of the process of purification. If, on the other hand, it should be compared to a Chatat, then it seems that the tahara was already completed before the korban is offered, but the korban is required before coming into contact with Kodesh nevertheless. The Gemara concludes that the korbanot of Azav should be likened to tefillah. In other words, they are part of the purification process. This corresponds to the straightforward reading of the following pasuk, And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the meal offering upon the altar, and the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be tahor. This understanding of Mechusare Kapara is necessary to explain a strange halacha. If a woman gave birth five times but did not bring a single korban, she is obligated to bring five sets of korbanot. Nevertheless, she is allowed to enter the mikdash after the first set. After giving birth five separate times, she has five independent obligations. But for the purposes of tahara and the permissibility of entering the mikdash, one set is sufficient just as one may go to the mikvah once to purify himself for various tumot. What is the common denominator of these four tumot of yoledet, tzara'at, zav, and zava? Why does the Torah require kapara of a korban in these specific cases in order to achieve the tahara necessary to enter the mikdash? 
we may propose the following suggestion. In general, a person becomes Tameh due to something external. In all the cases of Mkhusare Kapara, however, the source of the Tumah is internal. This is known as Tumah Yotsemi Gufo. The Tumah comes out from his own body. There are cases of Tumah Yotsemi Gufo that do not require a Korban, such as Nida and Keri, but as we already noted, these are lower-grade cases of the same Tumah family. Whenever the Tumah is external, all that is needed is removal of the Tumah. At that point, the person should theoretically return to his previous status, which allows him access to Kodesh. In truth, however, until the day is complete, he is considered a Tvul Yom, one who immerses on that day. The very first Mishnah in Shas refers to this halacha in its attempt to pinpoint the time that marks the transition from one day to the next. From when can we begin to recite Kriyat Shema in the evening? From the time that the Kohanim enter to eat their Trumah. Only when the day has passed and night arrives, and with it a new day, is a Kohen who was Tameh and went to the mikvah permitted to eat Trumah. Apparently, even though the Tumah was removed, one retains his status of Tumah throughout the day. He can attain a new status only with the arrival of a new day. With respect to cases of Tumah Yotsemi Gufo, wherein the Tumah is internal, the transition from Tumah to Tahara is more complex. Once the Tumah has been removed, it is insufficient to simply wait for a new day to arrive. After all, the source of the Tumah did not come from without, but from within. The person is not only a recipient or carrier of Tumah, but the very source of the Tumah. In this case, regaining the status of Tahor requires more than the arrival of a new day. Something must occur that changes the person's status as the source of the Tumah. According to the Torah, this is accomplished through the Kapara of a Kohen. Among the Mechusare Kapara, the Mitzorah is unique. The sacrifice of the Korbanot is sufficient for the other cases, while a Mitzorah requires a special ceremony of placing the blood of the guilt offering and oil on the person himself. We read, And the priest shall take of the blood of the Asham, and the priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear of he that is to be purified, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take of the jar of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, and shall sprinkle of the oil with his finger seven times before Hashem. And of the rest of the oil that is in his hand shall the priest put upon the tip of the right ear of he that is to be purified, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot, upon the blood of the Hashem. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put upon the head of him that is to be purified, and the priest shall make atonement for him before Hashem. Why did the Torah single out the Mitzorah with respect to this strange ceremony? In what way is his Tumah different from the other Mechusare Kapara? In studying the Tahara ceremony of the Mitzorah, we are immediately struck by the comparison to the inauguration of the Kohanim during the Miluim. We read, Then you shall kill the ram and take of its blood, and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of their right hand, and upon the great toe of their right foot. In fact, the Miluim and the Mitzorah are the only contexts in Tanakh where the term Tnuch, tip, is found. What is the relationship between the inauguration of the Kohanim and the Tahara of the Mitzorah? The purpose of the Korban Miluim is to sanctify the Kohanim. By placing the blood of the Korban Miluim on the body of the Kohanim, a metamorphosis takes place. Ordinary people become elevated and eligible for the role as ministers of the Mishkan. How are we to understand the Mitzorah parallel? Regarding all the other Mechusare Kapara, the source of the Tum'ah emanates from within the person, but the Tum'ah is not the person himself. Regarding Sarat, however, 
The Tum'ah is inherent. The blemish is on the body of the individual. The body itself is Tameh. One can claim that this Tum'ah is only skin deep, but the person himself is not affected. On the other hand, the identification of our sages between a Mitzorah and a dead person seems to suggest identification between Tum'ah and the person. Therefore, in contrast to the other Mechusarei Kapara, a change of status is not enough. A metamorphosis is required. A new identity has to be created. The person himself must change his identity and must be elevated from Tum'ah to Tahara. Therefore, the process that was used to transform the Kohanim is applied to the Mitzorah as well. Regarding the Kohanim, the transformation was from mundane to holy, while the Mitzorah changes from Tameh to Tahor. In conclusion, we have argued for a Tazriya Mitzorah unit. We showed that the common denominator in this unit is Mechusarei Kapara, which is connected to Tum'ah Yotzemi Gufo. Regarding all other Tumot, the impure person is no more than a carrier of an external Tum'ah, while in these cases, the source of the Tum'ah is internal. Finally, we try to account for the discrepancies that exist between the various Tumot found in this unit. In particular, we deal with the unique status of Tzara'at. We suggested that regarding Tzara'at, the body of the Mitzara is what is Tameh, and consequently, the person himself is defined as Tameh, as suggested by the claim of our sages that a Mitzara is considered like a dead person. His purification requires a change of identity, perhaps a rebirth, which is accomplished by the ceremony particular to a Mitzara.